Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to learning, sharing, and teaching the game of basketball. I'm Steve Kramer, player development coach, and very excited about our special guest that we have today uh, coming off his first varsity boys basketball season. And before we, before we get him on here, I just want to share a couple of the accomplishments, pretty amazing accomplishments that Coach had in his first season for the Ravana boys basketball team. First 20-0 and regular season in school history. First league title in 40 years. That's older than you are, Coach. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> First outright league title in 47 years. In the Muskegon Area Coach of the Year, which yeah. is a heck of an honor because that's a basketball hotbed in West Michigan. Some phenomenal teams, some, some great talent, yeah. and a lot of high-level coaches out there. And, Coach, that was only your first, your first <laughs> season as a varsity basketball coach. Um, right. So, Coach Kemp, welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. Good to have you. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here, Steve. Um, yeah, I guess uh, on that lead up intro there, I think now is a good time to uh, contemplate retirement. Uh, might want to do a podcast. I'm working on going out on top. Um, well, that was going to be one of my questions was, you know, <laughs> where do you go to here? You might as well retire, you know, right? Uh, right. <laughs> 21 and one, you finished, uh, you know, over a 95% yeah. win percentage. Um, I don't know anything about it, but I'm, I'm assuming that'd be uh, an all-time record for the state of Michigan, unless a, a first-year coach came in, went undefeated, and then quit, which I don't think that's right. ever happened. So, no, no, gosh, no, right I, I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. <laughs> um, but no, it was a, it was a, um, a great season, a great group of guys to come in as a first-year coach, um, with some of the experience and uh, some of the athletes and the talent um, and character of the guys that I came in with this year as a first-year coach. For those that are trying to get in to become a, a higher level head coach or a varsity basketball head coach, what was the hardest part for you of becoming uh, the varsity head coach? Um, you don't know what you don't know, uh, Steve. And what I mean by that, um, coming in, uh, I coached JV for five years under the the varsity coach that was there for five years, a guy by the name of Justin Johnson, um, had a relationship with him. I uh, went to the same high school as he did. Um, uh, basketball background where we're coming from. And as a JV coach, um, I learned a ton from him. And coaching underneath him, I used to think as a JV coach, I think how easy it would be to step into his shoes um, and how I would do things differently um, just watching from the sidelines when you're about two chairs down from being the head coach at the varsity level. I thought, man, this will be easy. I, I would do this. I would do that. Um, I used to have a really good relationship with him as far as I, I, he would let me speak freely. And as a very experienced varsity coach, he'd kind of humor me and say, oh, I see how you see it that way. Um, and he never got combative like a lot of head coaches can have egos. And he would humor me, um, kind of point out things why he saw it the way he saw it. Well, leading up into uh, coaching this year at the varsity level, uh, I can see what he was dealing with. Um, there's a lot of things that go into just simple X's and O's of, of just seeing it this way and that way, why you do it this way or why you do it that way. Uh, you learn very quickly at the varsity level 
um, how, how things are, are much faster, um, how you got to relate to uh, certain players, what you've installed in practice, uh, who gets what, who understands uh, this concept, that concept. It's, it's not always as simple as just drawing it on a piece of paper and letting the guys go out there and fly like I thought. So at the, at the JV level, like, man, this is, this is cake. This is what I would do. Um, so I was really blessed uh, <clears throat> in that sense to come up under a guy um, with that kind of patience, that kind of uh, uh, leadership skills. But then also when you become a varsity head coach, it's, it's more than just coaching X's and O's. It's more than just basketball. Um, you got a consideration of your youth. Um, you got a consideration of, of scheduling. Um, at our level, at our size of school, like you're responsible for gym schedules, um, that kind of stuff. Um, it's a whole different, different level of responsibility where you're kind of uh, the CEO of basketball at, uh, at, at the high school level. Um, you got to communicate with your your seventh and eighth grade coaches. You got to set up uh, youth leagues uh, for your fourth and fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, it, it's about building all that stuff, and then on top of it, finding time to uh, install what you want to do um, and coach your guys up and get to that games. It's it's like I say, it's I didn't know what I didn't know getting into it, um, and luckily I, I come up underneath a guy like Justin Johnson, Coach Johnson. And uh, one of his assistant coaches that had coached with him uh, carried over into to my first year as a varsity coach. And I can't say enough about how much easier that made the transition. I mean, that definitely helps to have some of that consistency. Uh, and obviously the, the kids, the program, they knew you going in. Uh, that helps as well. Um, now, Coach Johnson is one of the most humble guys I've ever met. Absolutely. And um, you spoke on ego for, for a second. Can you... <laughs> Can you expand upon that of how it's not necessarily normal for Coach Johnson to to be able to hand over when yes. he was the varsity head coach and you're able to you know give your thoughts when, as you just mentioned, you found out just a year later there's so many moving parts that you didn't necessarily have to uh, worry and think about that now you know. And he was able to to give you – that freedom, that ownership of the team as the JV coach. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I could talk forever about uh, Coach Johnson and, and his humility. Um, and that's probably the, the biggest thing I took in as a, um, a rookie coach, first time ever coaching at the varsity level, was um, we all as head coaches, every one of us, even as players, have egos. Um, and how you let that affect you or how you let that dictate what you're willing to learn and – willing to apply with 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 confidence um can affect everything and coach johnson's humility um like let me elaborate so when we came into uh ravana high school here in west michigan um it had been a while since there was any success um and your, in your intro there mentioning how long it's been since we uh shared a conference won an outright conference it's been almost 50 years um coach johnson and i can joke about some of the stuff that uh, was taking place as far as uh, culture and mentality about winning and becoming successful. Um, for five years, he did a lot of the background work and heavy lifting as far as installing off-season workouts, things like that. Um, what a difference it makes. So you lead into this season, Coach Johnson, um, last year he took this squad to 14 and six, and he had a better opportunity um, for his family and for his coaching career um, so he took that opportunity 
uh, to take a, a bigger job, a class A school um, yep, down uh, the road. From, Mona Shores High School. Yep. Yep. Mona Shores in the Muskegon area. And he would, he knew he wasn't leaving the covered bear by any stretch. Um, um, his guys had put in the work and he had worked with them. So it's very difficult for a guy that comes in and starts at a program that, that hasn't had a lot of success. And then they're about to turn the corner like they were this season um, and kind of hand the reins over to a pretty green coach and say, here's my, you know, here's my brand new Porsche that I got all ready to go. I haven't even <laughs> taken out for a test ride yet. Um, take her, you know, take care of this. And um, with what he installed with his players and what he installed with me, it made the transition much, much smoother. Um, but humility, <laughs> to come full circle again, back to humility. Um, I don't know too many coaches that could do that um, and still uh, celebrate his guys, his former guys like we had at Ravana, and, and still uh, have communication with a green coach like me that helped me um, in the background with a lot of things, a lot of decisions, a lot of uh, understanding of the, the, the length of a varsity season and what yeah. all goes into it. Yeah, and I think – you know, it's, it's, you know, he, Coach Johnson, we know each other well. I've been out working with your program for, I don't know, maybe five out of the last six years, something, yep. something like that. And, you know, your seniors this year, I think I met them when they were in sixth grade, fifth or sixth yep. grade, you know, work, working basketball camps and Coach Johnson bringing me out. I think he actually first got me out to work with your program when he was actually maybe the JV coach at the time. Yeah. Um, yep. As early as that, before he even took over as the varsity coach. And to be able to see the progression of, of that group of guys that he was telling me, he's like, there's this, there's this group that, you know, if they keep at it, they got, they got some things going for them. And to be able right. to see that progression and improvement, every year that Coach Johnson was there, the program got better. Every year. And then – he takes the uh, Mona Shores position. And I know that was a really tough thing for him to do because, you know, on paper, at least, I mean, you, you know, as well as anybody, you still got to play the games, right? You, no win is free. Um, yeah. But to be able to, to hand that over to you, knowing that his best season was probably um, yeah. staying put at, at yeah. Ravana was, was pretty, was pretty crazy. But, what I wanted to ask you next was one of those main players was a kid named Josh Cox, yeah. who, uh, you know, for the most part would have been regarded as your best player. Yeah. And now he gets injured and you're going into this season. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're going into this season without arguably your best player. How did you handle that? How did you handle that with your coaching staff, with your players, with, with everything? Um, I can go back, uh, Steve, to back when I heard the news about Josh Cox's injury. Um, first and foremost, uh, a kid that's been on varsity uh, since he was at the high school level, since he was a freshman, um, tremendous talent, tremendous talent. And he had an ACL injury uh, second game into the football season. Um, so we'll go back to that. Uh, so we take over uh, coaching here at Ravenna. Um, Cupboards full, a lot of expectations for these guys coming off a really good season, rolling into this season. And immediately, um, for lack of a better term, the head of the team is kind of uh, lost, lost for the season. Right. That's your, that's your main ball handler, your, yes. your creator, the yep. head of the snake, as I always say. 
Yep. And then, I mean, think about this as a first year coach, uh, you're going to lean pretty heavily on that guy, yep. you know, um, who's been in the trenches at the varsity level, even more than you have as a coach. And he's gone. And immediately um, some of the parents kind of look and like, Oh, you know, what's the new coach going to do or how's this going to go? Um, this, this will go back to my experience as a JV coach uh, and my experience as a player um, at high school level, you only get four years of basketball. Um, some of those JV, some of those at varsity, depending on your, on your skill level, but you only get four years and that's it. The way I looked at it um, for Josh Cox specifically, we were devastated, heartbroken um, for a guy of his talent to not be able to enjoy his senior year. But on the flip side of the other side of that coin, um, you look at uh, these other guys, they're looking to have the best season of their careers as well. There's really no time to feel sorry for yourself or to wonder what ifs or what are we going to do. Um, you pretty much roll your sleeves up and get to work. And to Josh Cox's teammates' credit and, and, and the team this year that I coach's credit is they didn't blink an eye. Um, in all honesty, they really didn't blink an eye. Uh, guys were ready to step up. Guys were ready to take an opportunity um, and seize the moment, and that's what they did. Falling back to my JV coaching, um, a couple of guys that stepped up this year, um, I got to coach at the JV level. Um, I, I knew um, that we wouldn't miss too much. Um, I don't mean that any, any disrespect to Josh, but I knew that there was a couple of guys that, that were pretty talented that a lot of people maybe not uh, had an opportunity to see as much as I did at the JV level. And a guy like Trevor Sturkin, um, he came in. I knew he was going to be good, but I'd be lying to you if I knew that he would perform at the level that he did this year. Um, guys like that, just ready to step up and take advantage of the opportunity. Um, so re really just no chance to look back. No, that's, that's, that's impressive. And it's a, it's a tribute to you guys as a coaching staff and your players that you were able to have an injury like that and they were able to say, okay, we have to keep going. Because I think so many teams, so many players, if one thing happens that they're not prepared for and nobody's prepared for an injury, you're not planning on people to get injured, right? You can go one of two ways. And it's safe to say most teams go down, right? They'll, yep. they'll almost defeat themselves even before the season has, has even taken off because – just that that mental frustration that that where are we going now right this is the the head of the snake the player that we can rely on now he's gone and then things just kind of slowly fall apart and so again i want to i want to really praise you and your your players for being able to do that um so next question for you you, you experience a streak, whether that's a five-game streak, a 10-game streak, a 15-game streak. I've been fortunate to experience some pretty long streaks as a player myself. How do you get your coaches and your players to handle that type of winning streak as you, oh, hey, we won five in a row. We won 10 in a row. We've won 15 games in a row, right? And every win that you tack on takes on more momentum. The, the snowball effect gets bigger. More people are talking about you. You guys made like the CBS News this year with your, <laughs> your, your kid uh, Levi. special handshakes. Yeah, Levi. Yep, Levi yeah. And, uh, and honestly, that doesn't happen unless they tag on 
this team's undefeated, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all together. How do you handle that type of attention, that type of praise that's all of a sudden just boom, 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 bombarding you where you can stay focused on the next game, the next game, the next game. You wind up having an undefeated regular season. Yep. Uh, that goes back to uh, one of the first answers to the questions that we asked earlier. As a head varsity coach, you don't know what you don't know. And what I mean by that is ignorance is bliss. Um, looking back now when the season's done and you look at uh, the fact I'm going undefeated and then you look around and see, um, as, as you might think it, it might happen more frequently, but it doesn't, it's pretty rare. Um, no matter how good your team is uh, talent-wise or sometimes the schedule might fall out a certain way, it's still really difficult for high school kids to go 20 games and uh, without a blemish on that record. It's unbelievable. I mean, you think uh, one player turning an ankle – can change yep. can change the game. Um, yep. a, just a poor shooting night can can change a game. Somebody getting the flu for yep. a game and not feeling well can change the game. There's so many things that come into play. Yeah. I mean, it's nearly it's nearly it's unprecedented. Very very few teams have an undefeated season. What I'll say too is, and I know it's only been one year, but I've been around the game of basketball for a long time, and not always the most talented teams go undefeated um just for a lot of reasons like you mentioned uh one of the things that you mentioned happened to us this year was we had a heck of a run with the flu um it was about a two-week span where we were missing half of our squad um for one week then the next week we were missing half of our other squad and that was coming right out of the heart of uh our schedule in our conference um again this goes back to losing a player of the caliber of josh cox you don't have time to sit there and think, um, how is this going to work out? What are we going to do? It literally is, um, as cliche as it sounds, next man up. Before we get back to the episode, we wanted to let you know that the Coach's Edge online platform will be debuting the summer of 2020. This is an online program for coaches around the world to improve their X's and O's, their youth basketball program, individual and athletic development, as well as streamlining and making easier the process of building a successful and winning culture year in and year out. We can't wait to share this with you. If you currently have any questions about the Coaches Edge platform, you can message us on Twitter at Coaches Edge One. Back to the episode. Yeah. And to the players' credit, they didn't blink an eye. Um, this kid goes down, that guy goes down. Okay, it's my opportunity to come in. I don't look at it as a start. I look at it as how can I contribute to keep this streak going. Um, and then the other thing is looking at this, um, again, not knowing uh, what you don't know, is we could only take it one game at a time. Um, so we're missing Josh Cox. Um, we got a, a first-year coach, um, some guys taking on different roles. So we looked at it as every single game um, was – was the game. I know all coaches say that and think that, and this is where it goes to a credit to the players, is they didn't look beyond. Um, whether we were playing a team that uh, had two wins uh, on the season or a team that was coming in uh, winning seven games in a row, um, we looked at all teams the same. So we didn't have any kind of letdown or nerves. Let's say we're playing a good team. We weren't nervous uh, going against a, a, an inferior team. We, we didn't overlook them. And it just a, a huge credit to the players and we really um, – actually, at some point, uh, we had one of our guys wrote on the board every time a game was over, we were 0-6, 0-7, 0-8. Um, 
oh and 10 and what they meant by that was you had to have the the hunger of a team that was going out there to get there first when you couldn't look at it as inverted as if we were 10 and all you had to go out there with the humility the respect and the work ethic like we got to win this game or this this losing streak is going to continue and i love really i love that i love that yeah. because i was just gonna i was just gonna ask you did you look at it like your own oh your own oh and you didn't even do that. You had one of your guys writing on the yes. board, Owen five, Owen ten. Yep. I like that even better. So, so that that says a lot to to me as a coach of how you guys as a program looked at it. Yep. Some some player led leadership yes. as far as being able to to say, all right, fellas, like we got to play this game like we've lost ten games and we're still trying to get that first one of the season. That yep. is. That is pretty awesome. Um, talk a little bit about your preparation, because I know as a person myself, I've coached eighth grade basketball. I've been an assistant to a few varsity coaches. And then when I coached high school basketball in Europe, their whole, the whole thing over there was different. It, w it wasn't about scouting to win a game. It was, it was really about like just developing players in, a, yep. in this big kind of streamlined system of player development that most European clubs have. And so talk a little bit about that aspect of having this extra level of preparation. How did you guys prepare so well for all these upcoming games, whether they were a team that was, you know, two and five or seven and one? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll go back to, um, it was about the fourth and fifth game of the season. Actually, I know for a fact it was that point in the season where we knew how talented we were. Um, we knew how good we could be, but we played two games um, just awful. And our preparation was horrendous. And it was a wake-up call, first and foremost, to a, a first-year head coach. Of, if you don't wake up, coach, you're going to squander a lot of talent here and a lot of opportunities for these kids. Um, we had to change our approach. And what we did is we changed the way we prepared uh, as far as our focus, uh, way we looked, the way we dressed, the way we communicated on the bus, um, that kind of level of preparation where as a first year coach, I thought myself, oh, this is going to be all about how smart I am and how much knowledge I have of the game. Wrong. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, at our level, it's more about the preparation, your attitude, um, your dedication to the fundamentals. So that's what we really did get back to. Uh, we made practice um, very old school, kind of like the movie Hoosiers, where we did a lot of running, a lot of basic passing, a lot of basic dribbling, uh, drill work. And we got back to the fundamentals and we got back to uh, really the kind of stuff that got us to where we were. And then what we did is our conditioning. Um, that was our biggest thing of preparation. We feel like we conditioned as hard as any team in West Michigan, um, stuff like that, that would prepare us. Like we, we knew we had the skill level to play, but our mentality was, was off. Um, our focus was off. Um, we had that wake up call early in the season where we could have let some games that we should have won uh, pretty handedly um, almost get away on us. And that was our wake up call with games four and five of the season. So coach, let me make sure I got this. I got this right. Cause I think this is, this is some gold right here is would you say that, as the season progressed, as you said, you know, a few games, five games or so into the, into the season, that you made sure you honed in on the fundamental skills 
and making sure you're in great shape because I think as high school basketball coaches and a lot of the coaches that I talk to, as the season goes on, they spend the majority of their time on their sets and scouting the other team's sets. And what they lose is a lot of we're not working on our shot as much. We're not working on our ball handling, those fundamental skills that, you know, you can have the best plays in the world, but if you can't make the shot or get the basketball in the right position, you're going to struggle. And then you're saying you're still making sure you're in great shape. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what we did and uh, like I was blessed, um, to have the opportunities of the way that season unfolded early was it, like I said, a wake up call to me where I thought it was just going to be about my X's and O's and, and, stuff that I, I, I ran and stuff that I thought would work. And I learned very quickly. It's, it's very, very simple. Um, keep it simple, stupid, right? You hear that a lot in a lot of aspects of life. Yep. And that was about, okay, let's get back to the fundamentals. Let's get back to simple, quick, crisp ball movements. Um, playing off of ball screens. It's not necessarily having this guy go here then and this guy go here now. Um, it was about letting these guys play freely. And our conditioning, um, like I said, we never got away from it. There was um, – a point halfway through the season where guys would ask or send out uh, group chat uh, text. Uh, we're getting the jump rope, jump, rope, jump ropes out today, which meant we were doing a three-minute run and we were doing jump ropes. My man, and, jump rope. I'm yes. so glad oh, you guys are yes. still doing that. I'm so yes. glad you're still doing the jump rope. Oh, absolutely. That was it. I've introduced that to so many coaches and programs, and I know most of them, they did it for a little while, and yep. then they just – they're like, this – this isn't fun. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. I'm so glad to hear you guys are doing that. And we use that as a staple, uh, Steve, to be honest with you. Um, and some of our timeouts down the stretch in the season, when we were a little bit tired, we knew the other team was tired and people talk about it being a marathon, not a sprint. Um, we'd reference, listen, we're doing lane slides. We're doing jump ropes. These guys aren't, they're getting practice out early. They're going over X's and O's. We did the dirty work and it gave us a sense of pride and sense of confidence. Um, that if we're going to be in a slugfest here, we're going to get that last punch in. Um, that's that awesome. was huge for our guys. Yep. That's awesome. And for the, for the coaches that, you know, are here, there on the, the conditioning stuff, it's good to hear you say, you know, you, you put an emphasis on being in great shape, but it wasn't just we're running sprints up and down the court. No. You're working on your endurance as far as defensively. You're working on your yes. quickness and your footwork with, with the jump rope. Yep. You know, conditioning, I think, gets a bad rap among a lot of coaches because they just think of it's it's just kind of – you're doing things that sounds like really the right way as far as working on different types of basketball that's movements that you right. have, have, and it paid off for you. That's, that's pretty awesome. Coach, next question. Um, where, do you, where do you go from here as far as, you know, your basketball season finished? And you can talk a little bit about how the season finished up. You know, we know the with uh, – with, uh, coronavirus things were cut short as far as the tournaments around the country um but if you could talk a little bit about kind of how the season finished and then where do you go from here now graduating some some really important players and then preparing for your next season go ahead and talk about that um yeah where do you start uh obviously uh our season ended uh earlier than we had hoped um, with success that we had in the regular season, but a lot of lessons learned um, to harp on or to, to explain that a little bit really quick for some of the other coaches out there. 
Um, it wasn't a lot of people talk about pressure of going undefeated and things like that. And we touched on, we, we literally felt like that was one game at a time. However, um, come tournament time, and we all know this, if you have an off night, um, you're going home. And it goes back to preparation. And shame on me. I do feel like come tournament time, I got away from a little bit of what we were uh, as far as uh, looking at X's and O's instead of just focusing on who we were. Um, we had an off night and our season ended. Um, to go in reverse now and explain where we go from, from here. Uh, coming in this season, uh, and we talked earlier about some of the history and lack thereof um, as far as success goes in the basketball program in Ravenna. Uh, we looked at this season and we challenged our guys. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen or how this ride was going to end, but we knew we were going to give it our best effort. And we talked about this being a platform. And kids nowadays, one of the buzz, buzzwords is legacy. Um, not necessarily as coaches, we get, uh, maybe I'm too old to understand what buzzwords and all that mean, but legacy. And we talked about this being a platform of using this, our talents and our skills to set the, the next team up below us, um, the youth below us up for better. And what we did, and we feel we did a really good job of that was we set the bar high. We set the expectations high. Um, we, uh, got involved with our community. Uh, a lot of our younger, or a lot of our, our players were very, very hands-on youth basketball, um, whereas they weren't sleepwalking when they showed up. They were actually participating, doing drills. Uh, a lot of dribbling drills that we've stole from you, we did with uh, our youth. Hey, you didn't, I, you didn't steal them. You didn't steal them, baby. I, I enjoyed being part of your program. Yes, and uh, we, we tried to relay that to, to our youth and our guys, um, like you mentioned earlier, getting to know them when they were younger. Um, they feel like they were passing this on to the, the younger generations. So moving forward, uh, we like to believe that our legacy or their legacy uh, should, will be um, what they've did for the future, where we had full house crowds coming in. Um, we had kids pretending to be uh, Hunter Funks, Trevor Serkins, Calvin Shulos, and you heard stuff like that, where it echoed throughout the community. Um, and they, like, I actually had a mom send an email. Um, I think it was, um, this is goosebump stuff. It was uh, last game of the season. Um, her son, uh, for the role on our team this year, um, didn't get a ton of minutes, but when he got home the night after we, uh, had clinched the conference championship, him and his little brother were outside with the lights on playing basketball. And this is, uh, this is I'm getting goosebumps right, right now, honestly. It, it was about <laughs> midnight, awesome. and she sent me this email at midnight, and she goes, I'm just wanting to let you know, Coach. Um, my boys don't are like uh, cats and dogs sometimes, but I look out my window right now, and it's about 1230, and they got the porch lights on, and they're out there playing one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I'm getting goosebumps right now, and that's the kind of stuff uh, moving forward that we're most excited about. Um, that's the stuff that you can't coach necessarily. It just comes from within, and we feel like – we've started that spark inside people's hearts and passion for basketball um, that, that moving forward, we're all going to be in a better spot. And every year we hope to, to build on that and, and to add to it, not necessarily in the wins and losses, just the way we carry ourselves, the way we represent our community, the way um, Ravenna basketball is looked at for, for years to come. Yeah. And it, you know, it's important for, you know, I think all our other coaches that are listening is it's not like you just came in, changed right. a few, Things, went 20 and 0. Yeah. You know, you were a part of this program yep. for, for years before we talked. We both speak really highly of Coach Johnson. Yep. 
Absolutely. Kind of changing some of the mentality uh, of the program and building it up to a point where you could be really, really successful. And yep. now once you get up there, as you mentioned, it's about, okay, we, we've worked our way up for years and years yep. and years, not a decade, but close to it. It's taken that long, right? Since, since uh, J- coach Johnson got there and yep. then you've been able to, to step in. And now it's about taking that success, keeping it and growing it among your youth program, which is what I try to emphasize with yeah. a lot of varsity basketball coaches. It's like, listen, you might really know how to coach a team and you may have a really talented group of 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. But if you want to build a program, a so, program, it's not with your varsity guys. No. It's all the way up, right? And yep. you got to spend a lot of time and a tender love and care with your youth basketball program, with your junior high program, with your coaches, yes. letting them being able to see you, putting a, a plan together, Yep. giving them a, a blueprint for how they can they can follow that and then what I really like that you, that you talked about a little bit earlier is you know your varsity guys were were taking some of that upon their own shoulders taking some of that responsibility and trying to say then this is some of the stuff that we went through this is some of the things that we learned and now they're teaching it back to that younger pr- youth program because they wanted to leave a legacy they didn't want to just have a phenomenal season they wanted to leave right. a legacy that was going to make an impact, a positive impact to the next generation that's coming up. I mean, that's fire. That, that's, that's awesome. awesome if I stuff. could just tell you one more quick story, too, um, in these times with uh, COVID-19 and then being on complete shutdown, um, about a week and a half prior, um, school had been canceled. The season um, was on hiatus. We had just lost. Um, but uh, two players on our team, Hunter Funk and Trevor Sturkin, uh, they got a phone call from a neighbor and they had their, their kids were all down and it was gloomy and they were missing their buddies. And she said, Hey, do you guys just mind coming down and, and maybe shoot some hoops just showing up? And they showed up and it was as if Michael Jordan showed up at their <laughs> house and they shot some hoops for a half day with uh, some of the youth in our community and stuff like that will echo throughout years of basketball more than what people will remember uh, whose stats were what or what your record was. They're going to remember, playing basketball with one of the best players in Ravenna history. That's awesome. Leaving a legacy. I, I, I love that. Um, so as we, as we get close to the end of this podcast, Coach, one, one thing that I, I did want to ask was what would you do differently now that you have this season under your belt? All right. So and I'm, I know you've thought about this as, as a coach, as a clinician myself. I always think about, okay, what could I have done better? What would I have done differently? If I'm coming and working for three hours with your guys, as soon as that thing finishes, I'm automatically thinking, what didn't I do that well? What are the things that I should have changed? What should I have done differently? What would be some advice, but also very specific to you that, that you might have tweaked or done a little bit differently if you could do it all over again? Not much. You went 21 and one here's what I'll say to that. Um, this is the biggest thing. And I saw, it seemed like, a, uh, we were headed for this, uh, down the stretch. And this is what I mean is I don't know your coaching other, other coaches out there, their philosophies, um, whether it's X's and O's or drill sergeant mentality, run through brick wall mentality. I talked about this earlier is how we condition like no other. 
Um, and what I mean by that is there's a fine line. And I feel like being a first-year coach, I maybe pressed that, that fine line too hard. And what I mean is I really held these guys accountable, and I really worked them hard, and they never grumbled. They were just, yes, sir, no, sir, and they continued to do it. It's a long season. And what I learned now is I could have – we had some built-in breaks um, where we did some team building and things like that. But I think I should have included a couple more, um, especially with the su success that we were having. Um, you forget sometimes how young these guys are and how uh, that pressure can mount and the expectations can mount in a young 16, 17, 18-year-old kid. Um, you forget um, that these guys got other things going on besides basketball. I should have built in more breaks, more opportunities for us to just straight enjoy basketball, the, the love and passion of just the camaraderie. Um, sometimes I, I feel like I was working us too hard when we had proven um, we were at a high condition level. We were at a level of, of locked in. Um, I think I should have gave us some more breathing room down, down the stretch of the season. Yeah, it's basketball, as you mentioned, is a marathon, not a sprint. It's, it's the longest high school sports season, you know, yep. out of all of them. You have, you know, the Christmas break thrown in there. You have kind of Thanksgiving in the very beginning. And so, you know, that's definitely a fine line and probably different for every coach and every program specific to the needs of, of their team of making sure you're in great shape. Yep. But at the same time, you're not wearing your guys down because you want them yep. to play their best towards the end of, of the season. Yep. Coach, last question for you, okay? Um, you've touched on a little bit. What advice do you want to give to other high school basketball coaches? I'll open, open the floor, whatever you want to add. Um, this is something I'll take from all my experience as a player and now as a coach and then coaching under. Um, matter of fact, no secret, Steve, I just want to say this, that I played – I was older than you, but I played underneath you as a player. <laughs> um, I was a senior, you were a sophomore. And I learned then humility goes a long ways. Um, and I learned um, for the betterment of the team – um, that we were a better basketball team. We were going to win more basketball games. Um, if, if I was on the court less and you were on the court more, you know what I mean? So you learn that. And then I learned that as a coach, um, my biggest advice going forward is, is, is don't think you know everything. Um, really, really uh, listen to your peers. Listen to the people around you. Um, be confident in what you believe in. But don't, don't ever think that uh, you always have the right answer. Um, I learned a lot from uh, Coach May, Coach Jones, Coach Johnson. Um, a matter of fact, I opened a lot of things up to our players and listened to them. Um, humility was huge. And we touched on that with learning under Coach Johnson is you don't know what you don't know. So you really get as much knowledge is key and information is key. So the more things you hear, the more people you listen to, um, you yeah, you can always tweak it your way or this way or that way but just the ability to, to really listen to other coaches and have an understanding that you don't know everything. Oh, I love that, the humility and, and being able to learn not only from other coaches, but being humble enough to learn from your players, I think is something yep. that we can all need to remind ourselves of. And yep. just to add to that, I, to speak to your humility um, and a little background on Coach Kemp and I, I got moved up to varsity the end of my freshman season. So that, that was end of my freshman season. Yep. And then spending the full sophomore season when you were a senior. Yep. And not just you, but your whole senior class, I thought was extremely 
humble and accepting of me because at that time I was like a 5'9", 5'10", 130, 40 pounds soaking wet string bean. Yep. And, and, uh, bot, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had, you know, I was just skin and bones playing yep. and, and you guys were, were like, yeah, like you're, you're part of us. And, um, looking back at that time, I was really, really nervous <laughs> and I didn't know there was one other sophomore, Adam Gainforth, who yep. was also moved up to varsity, but he was, he was more of a man child. Like he was, he was bigger, a- stronger already than everybody. So I couldn't, it was hard for me to relate. I couldn't relate to him, even though we were the same age. And then it was hard for me to relate to, to you guys because not only was my body not developed at all, but you guys were two years older than me. I, did, I didn't know you guys that well. And so for, for you guys to accept me and uh, Derek Holland, who's you know, a good, good friend of yours, I, I'll never forget. Um, he, I think he started his junior year. Yep. Yes, sir. And he came off the bench his senior year. Yep. And I will never – like, he could have been the biggest jerk to yep. me and, and all you guys. Um, you know, a guy who you guys – your junior year, you had a really good basketball team too, yep. right? And he was a, a very important piece to that. And then for him to be able to come and say, I'll, I'll be the sixth man. Yep. This, this little sophomore can come in and take my starting spot. And there was never a practice where I felt like he was mad. There was never a practice where I felt like he wasn't trying to help me, right? He helped me work on my game. He gave me knowledge from the experience that he had as a varsity player that, that I didn't have. Yep. And, and all you guys did from, you know, Isaiah Gainforth, Steve Green, Yep. Um, Raymer, yourself, I mean, everybody was, was really, <laughs> this guy down on the end of the bench there. <laughs> was really en- encouraging. And, um, I think it takes an entire team to be able to have that type of impact and that type of growth. And that, and that's how you can have some success. Cause we had a, a really good basketball team. Yep. You've shown that again with the team that you're coaching now. And even though you're in an entirely different role, yep. being, being humble, and being willing to to listen to other people, not pretending like you know it all. Yep. It seems like that's a that's a key that just carries over to whether you're an athlete, whether you're a coach, or anything else in life. That's some that's some great advice. So, um, coaches, we appreciate you guys uh, listening. Feel free to to share it out if you found it beneficial. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Coach Kemp, thank you for spending your morning with us. I know there's a lot of other things that you could no. be doing. Thank you, uh, uh, Steve. Um, always a blessing to catch up with you. Like, like uh, we got a history of playing basketball together or me watching you play basketball. Um, always a blessing and opportunity and a great opportunity when I get to talk to a basketball mind like yourself. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a great day.